Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lorebeards. Uh, apologize for doing this on a uh, irregular day from normal, that's my fault. Uh, <laughs> I had some uh, health issues last weekend, but we're all back in action. So we are here today to uh, give you your normal weekly stuff. And uh, there's quite a bit to talk about today, uh, as there has been a lot going on in the Warhammer sphere. So without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get today started. But before we hop deep into the topics, let's start with introductions and stuff. So uh, real quick, uh, in case you're new here, um, I'm Loremaster Sotek. Hello. Um, I do uh, streaming on Twitch and YouTube stuff about Warhammer lore and, of course, Total War and all that noise. Uh, we've also got uh, my regular co-host, Nathan. How are you doing today, dude? Good. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm uh, Nathan from the Great Book of Grudges, uh, Warhammer Total War YouTuber and uh, tabletop, mostly gaming, which returns soon next week. And yeah, just pretty good. Chill. All right. And of course, we've got our special guest for this week. We've got Legend of Total War. <laughs> How you doing, man? Yeah, well, thanks. Good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh... Real quick, just a reminder for everyone watching that uh, Tale of Two Gamers is not due this week. It's this upcoming Sunday. So uh, if you're participating in that, the theme is monsters or something that is monstrous, like a monstrous unit. Uh, make sure you submit those before the live stream on Sunday, which will be at the usual time. Uh, and with that, I think we are good to hop into uh today's real topics and we're just gonna go ahead and get this out of the way early <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and do who would win at the top rather than uh later on because we're gonna be diving into total war warhammer and not coming up for air until we're done so uh real quick uh we'll kind of well quick uh we will um do today's verses which one that i saw that i thought might be interesting is we had an entry of a battle of the 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 furry sorcerers so to speak which is lord skrulk the uh the uh, non council of 13 leader of clan pestilence versus malagor the harbinger of disaster so uh, just a quick rundown of these characters uh, for anyone who may not be familiar with them uh, from the uh, and like what they're capable of so you can kind of cast your votes as we get into discussing it. We'll start with Lord Skrulk. So uh, for those unaware, uh, the, the Skaven leader of Clan Pestilence, that of course is um, Nurglitch himself, is a surprisingly good fighter. Um, he, they're both wizards. Uh, Skrulk isn't quite as skilled of a wizard as Malagor is, but he's not very far behind him. They're both powerful sorcerers. Uh, but Skrulk makes up for his, um, slight lack in, uh, magical mastery with his physical capabilities. Skrulk is, uh, can only be described as a supernatural opponent in that despite the fact he's completely blind, at least he's supposed to be, he actually could see quite well because he stuffed two warpstone nuggets into his eye sockets and somehow that worked. <laughs> and because of that, uh, he has very good reaction times. He's very fast. It's noted that he can catch flies out of the air with his bare claws uh, that are often buzzing around him. He, of course, does have a aura of pestilence. That's right, hang on a second. Sure. Sorry. Uh, he can catch flies out of thin air with his bear claws. Yep. Wouldn't they be catching them with his rat claws? 
Oh. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why? Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, yes, sorry, his rat claws. <laughs> Not his bear claws. Um, he does have his aura of pestilence. Makes him difficult to be around. Uh, he has lots of flies buzzing around, getting in people's eyes and ears and nostrils and everything. Uh, to make uh, life horrible, make it difficult to focus on him hidden. He's a frenzied individual. Uh, Lord Skrulk is probably one of the most zealotrous of the Skaven characters, as he's one of the only Skaven characters that's actually genuine in his faith, <laughs> to the extent that he ripped out his own eyeballs uh, as a show of faith. Um, of course, he uses spells from the Lore of Plague, which is a, a lore that specializes in... Um, ravaging the bodies of the enemies it's better against enemies that have weaker constitutions which malagor does not necessarily fall into and for his items he has the liver bubonicus which is that big book he carries on his back that's supposed to supposedly has the name of everyone that's going to be infected by a disease and what disease they're going to be infected by and how you're going to die from it uh however bizarrely there's a bit of a uh difference in translation in that the liver bubonicus is generally meant uh uh, as he reads from it to infects large swaths of people. It's usually not particularly great for um, killing a specific individual. It's more for infecting large groups and spreading diseases that can cause a rapidly spreading illness. On the other hand, the Rod of Corruption is a one-hit, one-hit-kill one wonder. And that if Skrulk manages to hit you with the Rod of Corruption, A, it hurts because it's a flail, so he can actually swing it very, very hard. Uh, but B, if he hits you with it, uh, essentially, uh, unless you are a very, very tough individual, the fumes are going to cause you to shrivel up and die instantly. Uh, that is a very, very, very powerful particular weapon. However, on the other side of things, we've got Malagor, the Dark Omen, the Crow Father. Uh, Malagor is not as skilled of a combatant as Lord Skrulk, but he is a more powerful wizard. Uh, he is more than capable of wielding the Winds of Magic to much, much greater efficiency than Skrulk can. Uh, though his lore of spells, of course, is the lore of the wild, uh, traditionally. So he relies on Beastman spells that are all about uh, causing enemies to go a little crazy, or devolve into horrible monsters more than they already are, or of course summon beasties uh, to assist him in battle. Uh, though he, of course, could pick from other lores like Death and Shadow if he wanted to. Um... Beyond that, he flies, which of course is very, very helpful. So Malagor does dictate the role of the battle and uh, hopefully would make it hard for Skrulk uh, to smack him with that that nasty little staff of his. Uh, they're both kind of equally tough. Uh, neither of them wear armor, but they are both very, very durable individuals. They're both very uh, resistant to um, anything that would cause their constitution to fail them. They both can hit relatively hard, though Skrulk hits much, much harder than Malagor, but they're almost equally skilled combatants as far as pure skill is concerned, though Skrulk is much faster. Much faster. Um, beyond that, uh, Malagor brings into... The only thing that really uh, comes with him into battle is essentially that uh, he has something known as Unholy Power, which is that the Dark Gods very much favor Malagor as kind of a dark omen of their... Uh, their potential, a herald of what's to come. And because of that, the winds of magic blow particularly strong around him, and he's able to wield them to even greater effect than he normally would. So he is a pretty nasty and powerful wizard, in that the more 
the more magic he utilizes, the stronger he gets. So if you don't stop him from kind of ramping up, uh, he becomes a problem really quickly. So that's it for lining out uh, the contestants for this week's Who Would Win. Uh, Nathan, we'll start with you. How are you feeling? Cool. Well, both characters are cool, though you know I have a soft spot for Pestilence, right? Like, it's, like, my favorite clan. Who doesn't? You should get it checked, though. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm going to have to say it's going to be quite tough considering, obviously, Malagor being able to fly. I've never really seen his spellcasting abilities. I, I mean, in lore, he's represented to have beasts and dark magic, isn't he? Uh, he generally revolves around... Um, uh, he generally revolves around kind of that you know, that evil trifecta of, like, shadow, death, and beasts, uh, and seems to kind of switch those out, uh, depending on the situation. Um, I would say for, like, a matchup potential, uh, I would probably lean, you'd probably be best to assume him having somewhere in that ballpark of, like, death, shadow, and lore of the wilds. Um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll say that he probably shouldn't be able to summon for the sake of a who would win. Uh, generally, you're not supposed to bring in outside help. <laughs> but uh, he still is a pretty powerful spellcaster in his own right. And there are some spells that could be problematic for Skrulk, particularly from, like, the lore of death. Yeah, no no, uh, no summons, though, will kind of be a clutch against uh, Malagor. Because the, the Lord Plague itself is quite good. Like, obviously... It is pretty good in Total War Warhammer, and Lord's represented to be absolutely devastating. It's like dropping Anthrax, and uh, obviously on the tabletop too. It's 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 pretty good. Like it is my favorite go-to Lord. Uh, if he can get him on the ground, I'd say Skrulk can win, but he needs to get Malago on the ground. Yeah, uh, Legend. Any thoughts? Malago wins hands down. No contest. What's 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 if what's it's Total War Warhammer two? If, look, I'm, I don't know about the, the tabletop stuff, but I know both characters pretty extensively. Um, if Skrulk is not allowed to use his summons... Is he allowed to use his summons? No, no summons. Okay, well, that's a big disadvantage for him. So if he's disabled from using summons, you've got Malagor that's flying. He can use Enfeebling Foe. He's got way, way faster Winds of Magic regeneration. Also, it's way cheaper for him. Um, so Enfeebling Foe will immediately make, um, Skrulk weaker, plus he can swoop, assuming he can, he's allowed to swoop if he has to go into melee. You can definitely also, swoop. another big thing about Malagor is that he causes everybody around him to lose stats, so Skrulk being Skaven would have naturally fairly low leadership, so Skr Malagor doesn't have to outright defeat he just has to scare him off and route him, which is very easy for him. Like, Malagor's got like a minus 27% leadership aura when he's fully buffed up. Uh, so keep in he mind, scare him away. Keep in mind that there are some uh, changes. Like, for example, when we take all three representations, the tabletop does not match up with the lore, and the, the lore does not match up with the game. Uh, for example, on the tabletop, I have the claim to fame of saying that fucking Scroll killed Archeon. Like, that was that was my big claim to fame on the tabletop. Scroll Sk could be pretty nightmarish. No, but I, yeah. I do think he has some good points. Um, like, mm -hmm. even when you transfer into a lore perspective of that, Mal Malagor is kind of a terror in the night. <laughs> and being able to dictate the um, pace of the battle 
because he can literally just swoop in and bonk Skrulk on the head as many times as it needs to. Um, definitely he is... also have the spell Doom and Darkness? Uh, yeah. Uh, traditionally... So enfeebling Foe, Doom and Darkness, plus his uh, Icons of Vilification, plus something wicked this way comes, he's just debuffed to crazy. Yeah, it's very true. Um, uh, Skrulk would have a couple things uh, there to defend him from like a more lore-oriented perspective of that Skrulk's Frenzy. Frenzy is interpreted very differently uh, in Total War than its uh, traditional forms, and that Skrulk's Frenzy would more than likely protect him against mind-altering magics like Doom and Darkness, at least until he was thoroughly defeated. Uh, but uh, it, 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 it is worth noting that, that that flail of his is very nasty. Um, if Skrull can either just like just get the fumes towards Malagor, uh, or at the very least disable him enough with a uh, pestilence spell to get him on the ground, you know, weaken his wings enough that he falters and falls to the ground and hit him with that flail, I honestly think it's a one-shot kill. I just figured something out. What? One we one weave on, right? No other units, no nothing. Yeah, one on one. Skrull needs to be grounded. Uh, sorry, Malagor needs to be grounded. If we're going from a total war perspective, that's right, not well, from Melagor's well, grounded, Ma then Scroll will probably win. Uh, it's, well, it's not from a total war perspective necessarily. You know, we try to do these more from a lore angle, but Melagor can I fly. <laughs> but I know, but I'm I mean, to, yeah, for Melagor to hit Scroll, um, I don't think Melagor would be able to kill him with a spell. Uh, so in order to win, Malagor does need to come in at least once <laughs> to, to land a hit, and it's probably gonna take more than one hit. Um, and Skrulk is uh, kind of a freakish nightmare uh, once he gets busy fl uh, fighting. Um, so, um, just because I'm kind of eager to get onto the mechanics and stuff for the day, uh, I already ran a poll in my chat, and in my chat, Malagor won heftily. Heftily. 96% of the chat voted for Malagor. I've got 43 Skrulk, 57 Malagor. Okay, uh, what about you two? What are y'all's final thoughts? Legend, you stick with uh, Malagor? Yeah, I'm going to stick with Malagor. Nathan, what do you think? Defending Skrull to the grave, man. Pestilence is where my boys. Oh. He's got the toughest five, doesn't he? Like, uh, they, both, they both do. <laughs> They're both very, very tough individuals. I mean, that's kind of the thing for me, is that if Malagor was a little less of a... Like, if Malagor was more of an armor-heavy character, not a relies purely on his constitution character, I would probably lean more towards Skrull. But uh, I, I think I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Malagor. That being able to dictate pace of the battle uh, and being a stronger wizard is just is just nasty. It's nasty. If he was on the ground, though, yeah, no. <laughs> Skrull, Skrull is like terrifying on the ground. All right. So, um, with that out of the way, uh, let's go ahead and talk about all so since the last episode of Lorebeards, which was not this past sunday but the one before uh creative assembly has been dropping total war news like it, it's it's been a lot um they've been throwing it out every which way and uh one of the big things they've been doing is revealing the campaign mechanics for the uh some of the new races in total war warhammer 3. uh we have all the ones revealed so far being um Hislev, Cathay, and Zinch, which are the major factions that have kind of been uh, revealed so far. We haven't gotten Korn's mechanics yet. Uh, those are presumably coming down the pipeline probably next week. But um, we can discuss what we do have because, man, there is a lot to talk about. So, uh, uh, why don't we, uh, 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 Legend, which uh, race would you like to start with? Zinch. 
Yeah. I expected that. All right, so we're going we're going yeah. for Big Bird first and checking out his campaign mechanics. Looking good. Looking good sure. Oh yeah. So, uh real quick, just a brief reminder for anyone that has not read them and I will also post this article in the chat for anyone that wants to follow along uh that is watching at home. Um just a quick a quick a quick <laughs> refresher of that uh the big things for zinch before we get into discussing them are of course he has a new currency system which are called grimoires uh which are essentially a unique currency he can earn through various kinds of actions uh and then you can spend these grimoires primarily on a system called the changing of the ways which the changing of the ways is 10 sets of abilities you can activate um to influence factions on the campaign map and then of course he has the winds of magic manipulation that allows him to uh, nerf his winds of magic in one province in order to increase it in another then there are the demon specific mechanics which are the zinch corruption which allows you to have unholy manifestations which are global buffs depending on how much corruption you have and if you have enough corruption in a single area you can activate cults uh, which allow you to build a single unique building then we've got his tech tree and of course the teleportation stance so why don't we start at the top probably with the most fascinating thing which is grimoires i don't think we need to really get into because that's just kind of a new currency uh what yeah. do y'all so how do y'all feeling about changing of the ways seems a little weak seems a bit underpowered um yeah definitely <laughs> not abusable at all yeah um i can't imagine anybody complaining about this stuff at all oh seems yeah no zinch zinch will be the most fair versus um <laughs> player versus player faction no problems yeah, whatsoever. All, all the stuff there just seems pretty standard. I don't think anything seems overpowered at all. <laughs> What's that? You you have a long trade agreement with the dwarves? Now you're at war. <laughs> no no <Yeah>. war. <laughs> What's that? You've got a tier 5 settlement. Uh, that's mine now. See, um, when I look at these mechanics, like the, the faction at war stuff, right? That's cool. It's It should be doable. Not for baseline Zinch. They should have saved that for, say, for example, the Changeling, who was known to do that, and not give it to the baseline, because that means that, what, every single Zinchian faction will eventually have this? Like, yep. and will the AI be able to use these mechanics as normal? Yep. And is the AI better? <laughs> so and They'll get um, higher difficulties, they'll get cheats, so since most of them are unlocked <laughs> by Tech Tree, uh, you'll, as, if you're going up against Zinch, you're really going to want to drop his tech right down. Yeah, and one one thing that, that is worth noting uh, for anyone that hasn't read the article is that uh, nine of these abilities are locked behind the tech tree. Uh, and you have to go through specific paths to get them, and some of them are more difficult to get than others. And then they also yeah. seem to, they'll also probably cost a hefty amount of grimoires. Now, whether CA is going to get the balance right, <laughs> how many yeah. grimoires they should cost is a total luckily, toss up. Luckily, the one that they start off with is literally the weakest of their abilities, so it's fine. Mm. Yeah, they only start off with transfer settlement. <laughs> I think that's just uh, what they went through. Because I, I can't wait to transfer Isabella from Schwarzhafen to the Chaos Wastes. It's regen farming time. <laughs> um, I uh, uh, so uh, is there? Wait, wait, wait! No, they confirmed. Uh... This was confirmed in the Total War Public Discord that ca capitals would not be able to be transferred. Oh, okay, so there are immunities. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. Well, that makes it... I mean, it's still obscene, but... Uh, well, you just you just give them a settlement, 
that's in the in the set. So if they've got one settlement, because um, uh, one thing that happens to the von Karsteins all the time, because they're very sought after trait and they get killed quite often, is that you just give them a settlement where they're actually going to be safe. So it's not like it's a settlement swap. You just take your settlement that owns that one factory. Oh, that's given to somebody else. I had not even thought of that. That's, that's a swap. really good point. Uh, so, so what Legend's saying um, is essentially like, if you're playing a Zinch and you're starting out in the Chaos Waste or the Realm of Chaos or wherever, just pick a settlement very close to you and give it to the Von Karsteins. That way, yeah. the Von Karstein AI will start to build armies there and will eventually put Isabella there and then you can run over and snipe her and get the region. Yeah. Because yeah. the AI will start building there because it's the AI. Yeah, so. you, just, you just end up, you just take key characters that have really good traits. Oh, Fae Enchantress, you're coming over here. Oh, um, let's see. Gorok. Uh, not Gorok. Uh, Krokgar, you've got a good trait. You come over here. And you just you start giving them these really lame settlements that you just use as a sex and you just farm them. I, I can build you. <laughs> that's going to be so nasty. Uh, House of Shouch, I, I do think um, that's likely. Uh, he, he puts up a point in the chat that Z the Zinch AI will probably not use all of the mechanics. Um, there will probably be some that will be disabled from an AI perspective, just like the Clan Eshin uh does not seem to use all of its mechanics you know i don't think any of us have ever witnessed the eshin ai insta sniping a uh, a they faction can do it they can't do it they just um the thing about that one is that the player can do it way faster because they're locked behind snitches um levels and because the ai doesn't prioritize leveling up their legendary lords super quickly if clan eshin survives to turn 250 he'll then start doing it all the time but he because clan eshin doesn't survive that long usually he either gets steamrolled by grimgore or uh karaza karak whichever of those two survives that main war uh he usually doesn't live long enough for that to occur but if he does he he does do it oh okay uh I've never seen that uh well i ma uh, <laughs> i imagine you have to get quite far into the campaign in order to see it yeah yeah That's... i've never personally seen him do it but i've seen other people show him do it Spooky. Wow. <laughs> Basically, you don't want Snitch getting to level forty. I mean, he can't. He can't insta snipe you, but he could insta snipe anybody with that, apart from you. That explains a recent playthrough I had where Grimgore was really, really big, and then turned into a rebellion. I thought it was just like the rebellion army beat him and confederated him because I've no, heard Snitch. that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, oh no, that would have to be Snitch then. Yeah, yeah. Snitch got him. Christ. At wow. least, I, yeah, because I don't, I don't think the Greenskin Rebellions can actually confederate. Yeah, they don't win. They don't win. Either. Anyway, they the uh, the AI has order resolve bonuses versus rebellions. They they almost never win. The only time that a rebellion would win is if it's against like an undefended settlement. Oh, like they right. have to be massively outpowered in order to lose. So Guys, it would I'm have getting, to be an absolute freak occurrence. I'm getting a red flag. One second, uh, Droid of the Wolf, are you okay, mate? Like you've donated like five hundred dollars yeah. in like. I, I know Droid minutes. of the Wolf. He he's done this on my streams a number of times. He's just super generous. This is pretty standard. So right. he's, just, he's just this is he's done <laughs> yeah. this poor, it's always dot 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 and he does it in five hundred dollars in That's... various different increments. Right. He's oh, just really yeah. generous. That's all. That was just um that, that was that was just like worrying because like damn. <laughs> um. Well, good, good. 
I was just worried because like loads of YouTube accounts which have like the uh their bank account set up are getting hacks lately. Like no, I so, think of, I know I know Jordan the Wolves. He's done he's done this for right. me uh, multiple like, times. So um and then he just he remains quiet. No, yeah, it's just it's, it's super. It's just super. Uh, sorry, it just throw me off. He, like, he's he's obviously. A, oh yeah. He's a man who knows what he's about. <laughs> yeah, like, obviously, thank you and all that, but it's just, it was worrying, dude. If, like, if, you, if you're getting hacked or something, just send me a DM. Like. So, uh, get, uh, if, if, are you recovered? <laughs> sorry, just kind of threw me off. Like, <laughs> no, you're all, you're all right. Um, okay, so kind of kind of looking at these 10, uh, I get, let's, let's get the, the Cheese Lords himself uh, perspective. So, if you had to rate them as good or bad, um, I don't, I, unless you could do a uh, order of like best to worst, but I don't want to put you on the spot for that. But are there any are there any that stand out to you as like the most amazing, or any that stand out as like kind of meh uh, as far as uh, yeah, for these sure. Go? Like, all right, so transfer settlement good, open gates bad, force rebellion bad, track army meh, uh, reveal faction intentions. Don't know what that means really. Reveal Shroud could be good. Um, oh, uh, just close. I was just reading it off. Hang on, just lost it. Uh, Halt Faction. Uh, Halt Faction overpowered. Give War Coordination probably useless. Break Alliance very powerful. Force War. You know it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, Halt Faction is definitely like I feel like that one's gonna be really popular considering how many people yeah, hate like, like force, chasing the AI around. I feel like Force Rebellion is something that the player doing it to the AI is gonna be useless because the AI have traditionally had um, order resolve cheats versus rebellion, so it just never works. Um, but if the AI does that to the player, it's another story because it's super inconvenient and you don't get order resolve cheats versus rebellions. So there's yeah. definitely some good stuff in there. It's, it's more good than bad, but some of it is junky for sure. Uh, you, just, you just don't have to use the bad stuff. It's like any lore of magic has got some crap spells. You just don't oh, use yeah. those spells. Well, and like any 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 mechanic's got some, usually has some like lower end stuff. Especially with Zinch, like you kind of have to earn your way through it. You know, it's it's probably good to have a couple of good stepping stones there. Well, with um, changing of the ways and the way that their tech tree works, it's like a spiral. You go in one direction and you sort of stick to it. So you could beeline straight for whichever one you want and ignore the stuff that you don't want because it's like a it's like a, a wheel, a spiral wheel. You just go, it's like a web. You go whichever way you want it to go. It's not like, it's not a linear tech tree. Yep, very good point. Um, so uh, a question I see in chat that I just kind of want to uh, answer real quick because I think we can answer it with confidence is the so there's there's one that reveals faction um, intentions, um, which uh, more than likely is going to be that when it, used on a faction, you're probably just going to see arrows pointed from armies showing where they're intending to move or attack. Uh, and I assume it'll probably update live because the AI generally probably makes its decisions as far as regarding the player, um, like before you even click the intern button. So I imagine when you're moving armies around or something, the AI is immediately making responses and you'll be able to see those demonstrated somehow, um, whether with large arrows or whatever system they're going to use to make it appropriately zinty looking. Um, but th that's probably how you'll see it. Um, in the game. Uh, Nathan, any thoughts on the uh, changing of the ways before we go to the next thing? 
it's just it seems really out there like i know people want cheesy and mechanics at the beginning and so on but this just seems it's like transfer settlements force a war break alliance i don't really give a shit about give war coordination because it really doesn't do anything unless they've changed the ai uh we can only hold faction sounds fun hold faction sounds fun yeah, I just, I just hope they're, you know, appropriately priced. Like, a lot of us really like, you know, Cinch's ability to insta-kill a faction, but it's difficult, it's really difficult to earn, um, and takes a while. Like, and I'm sure, I'm, I, I can't wait to see how fast Legend's gonna unlock, like, those god-tier techs, and probably just, like, out, just break the game system for unlocking the tech tree if Zinch has as many ways to increase his tech speed as they're suggesting he can. Uh, but oh, I think yeah. I think for uh, uh, us normies, <laughs> us us pitiful peasants, uh, it'll probably take a good while to get those like super mechanics uh, and have enough grimoires to really use them. Yeah, I mean, if it's done scaled right, like yeah, Legend will probably get it twenty turns in or whatever. <laughs> but like normal player style, if it's done to a point that it it takes a while to get to that point. Sure. But I don't know, it still seems a bit too strong, man. Like, yeah, I get it. These this is Zinch, this is the uh change of ways and all that bullshit. Um but power levels. Because every time I see I'll be very honest with you guys, every time I see these um faction uh, mechanic drops, then I think, what about the Warhammer One factions and the Warhammer Two factions and so on? You know, because like the power level is obviously there's a big scale difference, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of an eternal um, issue, right? Is that older factions are always gonna kind of be playing catch up. But I I would also suggest that I I don't think it would be the best option to work from an idea of like limiting the future factions to try and like keep them in a, a similar power system because the, ultimately with those Zinch mechanics, a we don't know all the like specifics. It seems like there will be restrictions. Like, I assume Zinch won't be able to use any of his mechanics on a faction unless he's met the faction. Um, you also, we also have heard, like, you can't transfer capital settlements, so you're only going to be transferring minor settlements. There's probably going to be a cooldown period that they haven't really mentioned. So, like, if you make a faction declare war, you're probably not going to be able to do that again for a long time. Uh, if you transfer a settlement, you're probably not going to be able to do that for a little while. You've got grimoires um as kind of a currency that you've got to build up and like there are you know they've shown us that there are ways to dedicate yourself to building up grimoires um but a lot of those require you to literally send out armies to farm like there's a literal farming mechanic for zinch um which we'll get into in a second but like i i'm i'm not too worried until we get like at least all the specifics and that's always stuff that can be adjusted like if it is too strong and people are like this is like you know busted to the extent of it being just wild, you know, you can always tweak the cooldown timers and prices and it would just, it would, you could, you know, level it out. Yeah. I mean, as always, we're not going to be able to properly know until we see or get our hands on it. Um, It's just, it's always a concern when you see something that sounds overpowered and there's no, um, and you know, there's no thing at the bottom saying, but it's not that strong guys. There's a cooldown or blah, 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 you know? Yeah, well, I mean, they're playing it for the cool card, right? Like, they, they want it to come off as, like, ah, like fireworks and yeah. sparklers and stuff. Um, but, yeah, we'll just wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, uh, moving on to the next thing, uh, the the Winds of Magic manipulation. I am actually really excited for this mechanic. Uh, I hope it's something that, like, we see uh, kind of more option or around is the ability to kind of mess with them. But what are y'all's thoughts on the whole, like, pick a province and say, okay, you have no Winds of Magic, and pick another province and say, you have all the magic? Uh, that's, that's alright. It's not that big of a deal, because... But it depends on how the AI behaves. Like, currently in Warhammer 2, um, the AI is really bad at spell casting. Like, you can dupe them into casting spells to actually backfire on them. So, I don't really worry about stripping them of their Winds of Magic, because they're just so bad at spell casting in the first place. The only thing they're good at doing is casting buffs, which, mm. on the campaign, aren't that big of a deal compared to, like, some Vortex spells. Um... It just depends on how they use it, but but if they improve the AI spellcasting, then yeah, stripping them of their winds of magic would be very useful. Yeah, and it it also does seem like it's it's mostly there's kind of a crucial crutch for Zinch because it seems like Zinch is going to have a lot of buildings that rely uh, specifically on the um, winds of magic in order to just either work at all or in order to uh, have their fully functioning effects. So, um, with that, um, I, I, I'm assuming that's the primary purpose, is to make sure that your armies have the amount of magic that you want, uh, and to make sure that those buildings that require you to have lots of magic, you're able to kind of pick a province that is not important and funnel magic to where you need it to get those bonuses, whatever they may be. This is gonna, this is gonna screw Cafe over, isn't it? Did, did, did the faction uh, reveal for Cafe not say that you the more spellcasters you had together, the better it was? Or something along that yeah, line? Yeah, but we they haven't really specified exactly how. They, they've said that the more spellcasters you have in a Cathayan army, the stronger your wizards get. But we don't know like if that's like just the stats on their spells get better, or if they like have more winds of magic, or what. Oh, on the previous video that i did i actually kind of ripped into them about about that because currently in warhammer 2 you put lots of wizards in your army and your spell casting gets better but i use that from my point of view of just being able to cast more spells because currently in the game there's no way to actually increase the the actual damage of the spells but a lot of people in the comments said and these are people that are very active in the total war discord which i am not that apparently that the actual damage values and like the, the values of the buff spells will actually increase the more wizards that you have. So not only will you get more winds of magic, but your spells will actually get better with Cathay. That's oh. what they said. I don't know because I didn't read that anywhere. But I'm not. I'm not even in the Total War Discord. So. So I'm fairly active in the Total War Discord, and uh, there is cases where information does get released there, uh, which like we don't know sometimes. Yeah, I see some of these things in Reddit, and I swear there's people out there that are way more informed than I am. I'm yeah, just like, I should just stop making videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they there's there's been a lot of like they'll release something and people will ask questions in the Discord, and Simon or um or one of the devs yeah. will literally just pop in and just toss an answer out. Yeah, um, and so it usually winds up on Reddit. But if if that is the case, that it's actually genuinely buffing. Uh, the spells. I mean, that that yeah, that's all right. That that can actually be really interesting. Um, but if it makes their spells stronger, and then you come in with this zinch fuckery and take away their winds of magic, I mean, that's going to be hilarious. Oh yeah, that would definitely be painful. Um, and I I expect that's and one. Yeah, of the and then, 
And then you just jump over all their armies and teleport into them and then just take all the settlements and force them to declare war on themselves and break all of their alliances and open all their <laughs> gates and halt all their movements. Seems yeah. balanced to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zinch, um, if, if there's one thing I think they did a really good job with with Zinch um, that I'm looking forward to seeing people really utilize, it's that it really seems like Zinch is going to reward you for like being a schemer in the sense of like build up enough grimoires so that you can do that Hail Mary, just like chain all of your actions into each other uh, to just like disable <laughs> the game from doing anything uh, while you just rampage across uh, to go punch somebody in the face. But because, um, uh, yeah, they have they have a new stance too. Uh, granted, it's the first stance we've seen that's actually locked until you uh, research it in the tech tree um and uh it's it's right at the smack center of the tech tree so i imagine you have to unlock some text through some spirals and then it all leads back to the center but uh there's a new teleportation stance which the teleportation stance for anyone that hasn't had a chance to read it is basically it costs you some of your winds of magic in order to assume the stance but once you do it seems to work like the underway stance except for if you click it on an enemy army you teleport on top of them to the extent that you get a automatic ambush, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, I, I don't think there's been a clarification if it's just like a thousand percent guaranteed ambush or if it can be mitigated by like ambush defense chance or something. Um, but it is like, that is an obscene stance. Because, I mean, ambushes are brutal. <laughs> they are absolutely brutal. Yep. Especially considering that Zinch is so shooty. Uh, so like an ambush, you're just going to go in and Zinch is just going to start right next to you and just go, <laughs> start throwing garbage. The problem I've seen with this, other than the fact that it's a guaranteed ambush, because, you know, um, I, I don't know sometimes when they start writing the game on what, what they think like that, but like, uh, first off, teleportation should kind of be for all four demon factions, because... It's the whole thing with the warp opening up and so on. And second, I don't understand the Oh, It wouldn't really work for the other three, because Corn, everything has to be just a straight line with that dude. Uh, with Nurgle, they would smell them coming from a mile away. And with Slanesh, they'd be too busy looking at themselves to actually effectively do an, a proper ambush. But, but the thing is, how it works with... Um, and I get it, like a lot of people get pissed off when I bring lore into it. But demons <laughs> lore. generally come on lore in... beards, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, no, but people get pissed off when I mention it on a video, which is funny because it's like, well, fuck, man, I'm a primarily lore-based channel. When um when fuckery happens with like the realm of chaos, a portal can open up pretty much anywhere, which is why in Gehemishnaz you can see random bloodthirsters being summoned in the middle of outdoor for whatever. And it's like it would be cool to have teleportation with that, like kind of like the Wood Elves had in a sense. That teleportation would have been cool. So you could just start an incursion in another continent rather than randomly ambushing, which I, 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 don't, I don't like. So I, uh, I, like it. I will say um, from, from a lore perspective, I think I know like exactly where they're taking this particular mechanic from, um, which I, I don't think it's meant to represent like the demons appearing... Because, like, oh, the winds of magic are really strong and a portal's ripping, ripped open and demons are pouring out. I don't think it's meant to represent that specifically. I think we're going to see more corruptions based stuff mess around with that. 
Um, I, I think what it's meant to represent is if you go and read um, the Demons of Chaos, or if you go read the lore about the Great Cataclysm and like the really big war in Lustria, one of the biggest things that happens in that war is that the um, uh, the Lizardmen are actually holding out really well against the demons for a good for like many many years, and the the main strategy the Lizardmen eventually dick or uh, rely on in order to deal with the demons is to slaw and summon all these giant barriers around the cities. And the demons can't get through them. Like, no matter what they try, they just can't get through these barriers. Kairos Fate Weaver, however, figures out a way. And what Kairos does is that Kairos Fate Weaver engineers a spell and a method through which he opens portals in the middle of the city right behind the salon. And all the demons get come uh, are sent through the portal. And so all these, like, flesh hounds and other demons come pouring out of the portals and kill all the salon, which then props the barriers and the city would be slaughtered. So, but the only people that could do that were the demons of Zinch as far as summoning the portals. All sorts of demons could go through them, but the only demons that were actually able to conjure them into being were like the Lords of Change and the uh, and Kairos and the actual demons of Zinch. So I think that's where, that's probably what inspired this new stance. Because it, it seems to follow a similar methodology. In that it's kind of a surprise kind of teleportation uh, as opposed to anything else. Oh no, I still don't like it. I think it's too <laughs> much. I honestly think it's too much. Well, and that's, I, that's you know, that's a fair opinion. I, I, I'm excited to mess around with it. I'm curious how much it's going to penalize your magic. Um, like if, if it's like a, if it's like a significant penalty, that could, that could be painful. Yeah, I think, I think minus five wins of magic would be sufficient. <laughs> just my isn't the new powerful like 60 <laughs> or something like that <laughs> all right then minus four. Oh, okay that's that's fair <laughs> okay we're going we're going in the right direction for negotiations <laughs> yeah. um yeah all part uh, of the plan all part of the plan all according to keikaku um yeah. so uh any any thoughts from either of y'all on the new corruption system so the fact that we now have seven forms of corruption but it looks like they're adding in that if you have high enough corruption, not only will you gain passives in those areas, not only will you form cults in those areas, but you'll also get active global buffs you can utilize. Does anyone ever use corruption? Well, okay, so currently Chaos Corruption is the most useless. Like, for the Beastmen and for the Warriors of Chaos, it does, like, next to nothing. It's like... If you've got a massively chaos corrupted region currently, it's like a bit of extra um, replenishment rate and leadership for your units. And it, if it's above fifty percent attrition for the enemy, which is if you're playing on higher difficulties, the enemy have ninety percent resistance to attrition, so it's basically nothing. <laughs> uh, the vampire accounts actually make very good use out of their attrition because they 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 um if they have low corruption. They have huge public order problems, but if they have high corruption, it gets rid of that public order problems and gives them additional public order. So vampire accounts with high corruption are actually one of the highest public order races next to like the Hyles and Lizardmen. So it's very useful for them. Skaven corruption is also really useful. You want to have a good amount of Skaven corruption because it doesn't cause that many problems, but it gives you lots of menace blows, and menace blows are very useful. Yeah, and, and, and one thing Legend has a good point with um, that I think is hopefully the case with this is it looks like they're kind of reworking corruption uh at least chaos corruption to actually be useful uh because you're right that in its current iteration it, it it depends a lot on who you're playing 
Um, but like with this Zinch system, it's like, okay, if you've got high enough corruption in an area where you're not there or you don't control the entire thing, now you get a cult that allows you to build a building and you can like get more grimoires. It seems like that's actually going to be one of the most reliable ways to, I'm sure one thing we're going to probably see from legend is I imagine the cultist hero is going to be all about spreading corruption. And if you throw them out there and spread just shitloads of it and you start building all those grimoire buildings, you're going to be, like, just mass-producing grimoires like it's a factory. Um, which I imagine will be key for those... If you want to really spam those changing of the ways mechanics. Um, plus, now we've got this, like, global system where you get actives and passives. And they, they do mention in the article that they're not showing everything the new corruption does. Apparently, there are some passives that will also affect your army. So I imagine you'll get, like, stat buffs and stuff if you have high enough corruption. Um, that'll be depending on the type, but, um, it, it, with there being so many kinds of corruption, seems like it could actually be a pretty genuinely interesting contest to have yours be the highest when you're having to deal with, like, not only Chaos Undivided and the three other gods, but you've also still got Skaven, Vampires, and, you know, the un Unaligned. Um, but I am excited to see the global meter. I think the idea of like rewarding you for spreading your corruption globally as much as possible by unlocking buffs uh, is really fun. I don't know if the abilities are like super amazing, but it, you know, it's just another tool, which is never a bad thing. We won't know until we actually play it because a lot of those are very context driven. So yeah. it, it has, it's just a lot of words, but we just don't know how it's actually going to play. Like they say, some of the things that you can do, your army has to stand still, but they don't specify how long you have to stand still and how much you get. It just says, you will get this if you do this, but it's super vague. So they tell us something, but also tell us nothing at the same time. CA is very yeah. good at that. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. It's, it's the problem with the, the, with the blogs. And like, don't get me wrong, I like them because it gives a lot of information. And yeah, I must admit, after reading the blogs, I did get a bit more hyped up for Warhammer 3 than I have been. But like, yeah, no info or maybe just one or two in-game screenshots that really doesn't tell us much. Like, this, the tech tree doesn't really give us any information regarding the game, barring, yes, there's a tech tree. whoop de doo every faction has a tech tree. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things where, like, we all want information and to see stuff, but the game's still five months away-ish. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure when the day comes that they're finally showing campaign footage and, like, Let's Plays so to speak, um, before, you know, they send it out to the creators like ourselves uh, to tinker around with and stuff. Like, I don't know, like showing specific numbers at the, the this point, I feel is almost kind of useless because like the odds of them staying the same are just very, I'm very small. Numbers. I'm not saying numbers. I'm just saying like, it's just, say for example, um, we've got a bar for uh, for the corruption, right? show uh, a little bit more of that bar give it a little bit more of uh you know just a little bit of something would be nice you know just in general a little bit of visual stuff is stimulating it's it's cool some staneshi feet you know some basic stuff <laughs> And, and, you know, I, I, I kind of have, I, I'm more, I tend to lean very heavily in the thing of, like, it'll get here when it gets here. Um, it will. I'm just tired of waiting. Same. Yeah, and and that's definitely, like, a prevalent uh, feeling throughout the community. Um, but, uh, you know, we still got, 
let's see. Uh, we're almost to the, we're almost in November. We're getting there, but uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a release date by the end of the year that will give us a much more specific time to look forward to. What happened to our pre-order bonus being told about in September? What happened to that, <laughs> CA? I think I think that uh, died along <laughs> with everything else about <laughs> getting uh, uh, stuff out this year. But yeah. um, so uh, moving on to the next mechanic, Maybe everybody everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows what the pre-order bonus. Oh uh, yeah, is. I know. Just they, confirm they it. Said it. Just so confirm many it. They're, they're sitting there like we need our trailer, and it's like, do you though? They've literally <laughs> dropped so many hints. Everybody knows exactly what it is now. There's like no delusions, unless it's the biggest red herring of all time, which CA pretty bad at doing. Yeah, um, just like. We all know what the pre-order bonus is. It, it, it's it, Chaos Dwarf. It would be all a right? little funny. Yeah. It would be a little funny if they came out and they were like, Hobgoblin Con 8. <laughs> there, yeah. there you go. There's your pre-order. <laughs> Just to see what happens. Um, <laughs> um, so, halflings. Yeah, halflings. Uh, the the moot invades. You thought you thought the Mountains of Mourn had ogres? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> the, the ogres got wiped out. It's halflings now. Um... So, uh, how what do y'all think about the cults? Um, like it, they, it seems like a fairly reserved as far as like how powerful it is. Um, but I, I'm it, really it, curious. It's one of those things that'll work on in the background, just like a pretty minor thing. I think they were sort of testing it a little bit with uh, Oxyodel's mechanics. Mm. Uh, you know how he does the Silent Sanctum. Yeah, that's it's good like point. an undercity, except it's in your own city, and it's just behind. It's behind like buildings behind your building, and you'll barely even notice it's there, and it's just like. Instead of having a minor settlement with four buildings, you've then got a minor building with like five buildings instead. So it's just like just something something extra behind the scenes. And I think they were just testing Warhammer 3 mechanics with Oxyodel a little bit there. Yeah. Which is cool. Fair point. So I'm actually, believe it or not, I like the idea of the cults because it's so heavily embedded into like chaos law that we have cults and cults and cults. And five years later, and we still don't have cults. Then again, the only chaos faction that's playable kind of sucks at the moment. But kind of. Well, you know, mods exist. <laughs> They're good in multiplayer. <laughs> but I like the idea of cults. I like the idea of cults. I hope it does a little bit more. I'm assuming it's going to do a little bit more than this. Like, you know, like the Skaven can bring up an army like a Vermintide. Well, Chaos Cults, it would be kind of fun if they could do the same, you know? Well, yeah, and I, I'm I'm curious if it's maybe tied into like the actual corruption system. Like, I would I would not be surprised if there's a system where if you got to like ninety percent or something ridiculously high, maybe allows you to spawn an army or something. Um, but you know, we'll have to wait and see. Be uh, cool. Yeah, and then the last thing is the tech tree, which I mean we can't get super into because we don't have like genuine access to what it uh, everything is and what it does. Uh, but it, it does look appropriately zinchy as far as like you start in a center and then it just kind of goes all over the place like a big spider web and you, you kind of go out, grab certain text so you can come back to the center and go out and come back. Um, which kind of uh, reminds me of the Skaven tech tree, which is actually, I think, one of the best tech trees. You have so many options in different directions that you go and you're constantly switching which way that you want to be going. Whereas the opposite is like the Warriors of Chaos one, which is the most linear out of all of them. Yeah, and it's super boring. <laughs> it's yeah. very boring. Uh, Your progression yeah. route is by paying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, well, yeah, you pay to go to the right, the and then you can go yeah. down for free. But yeah. they're like, a, they're not that good, and b, it's it's just yeah. 
Um, but yeah, Zinch looks like his tech tree will be like, I, you know, I'm sure there will be people, you know, probably like Legend that find like an optimal route through the tech tree. But uh, I think... Oh, for... I can give me too much credit as <laughs> if I do that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I guess that's more of a speedrun strat than a cheese strat, isn't it? Um, but uh, like, I, I think, I think, uh, I think Zinch is going to have a lot of good replayability um, as far as like how you decide to focus your faction and design it um in order to um um uh, design your play style but uh the way i'm looking at it is cinch is going to be the the next skaven the the faction everybody loves to play but hates to play against and I... there'll be calls on the reddit for ca please nerf cinch it's too op <laughs> Man, it's well. I think for me, it's gonna come down to how fast the AI gets that teleportation stance. I I can see that teleportation yeah. stance being nightmarish to go up against. Well, the thing <laughs> is, regardless of how long it takes them to do, there's always gonna be some players that just will not really get a strong start. You know, a hundred turns in, they're still sitting at four settlements, and they just let the AI build up. So unless you really focus down on Cinch in the early game, and depending on your start position, that just might not be an option you are probably going to have to deal with it in some of your campaigns, and it doesn't look like it would be a lot of fun to deal with. Man, if only we yeah. had, like, actually dynamic difficulty modifiers <laughs> that could, like, change your playstyle to fit your skill level. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> um, Alright, so, moving on to the next faction... Uh, Zinch is honestly probably uh, the strongest looking as far as like just crazy wild mechanics that seem like a lot of fun. Uh, let's let's take a look at the the most recent. Um, so let's let's pop over to old Kislev and see what they've got cooking. So uh, Kislev, uh, I I don't know if y'all would agree with this, but to me, when I was reading the Devotion system, uh, which Devotion is their currency as far as like mechanics go, is that you build up Devotion, you can spend it in your tech tree and on certain abilities and stuff. Uh, I kind of was getting a Bretonia vibe as far as like playstyle from a campaign mechanics of like you build your Devotion by doing certain actions, but if you do like heretical actions, that'll hurt your Devotion or like get you in trouble. It kind of reminds me of the chivalry system for Bretonia. Except you couldn't really spend chivalry, it was just like a a meter that you needed to fill up to finish the campaign. Yeah. Good point. Um, uh, definitely... With uh, the exception of Confederations, you spent it that way. Yeah, like, it, it definitely seems like... Yeah, Chivalry, I think you could spend on, like, five or six techs. Um, but uh, the, the, the Devotion system kind of seems like a more evolved version. Um, I, like, I'm really liking the use of being able to use it in texts. I'm curious if you're going to be using it in other places. Like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see it, like, used in buildings and stuff. But, um, the, uh, the supporter system does actually kind of look interesting. I kind of like the, 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 like, the race against the other Kislevite faction in order to earn confederation, uh, and, like, impress all the other Kislev armies. I wonder, I wonder if you lose that race as the player what happens like is it just that the ai would immediately confederate all the other factions and you just have to like fight them <laughs> at that point uh if you lose the race uh what do you what do y'all think i think it's just exactly what you said um like if you're playing as Katarin and castelton gets ahead of you and confederates all the other minor kistler factions then not only are you dealing with chaos but you also have to deal with castelton who just wants you gone 
because anti-player bias. That's basically it. So you, not only do you, in your campaign, have to compete against Chaos, but you also have to compete against your, your rival in within Kislev. So that, and, and, you know, if you win the race, you just get to confederate him, kind of. Yeah, Nathan, any thoughts? The competing thing, um, obviously, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, it makes no sense to me. But yeah, I, I didn't really like it either. Uh, uh, I just was like, meh, um, this is not something that I'm super keen on. I mean, uh, I, I think this, it's cool. This comes across as like the politics system from Rome 2, which was just heavily punishing. This seems like um, rather than providing, it does provide some rewards, but it seems like if you do a bad job, it's going to heavily punish your campaign. Yeah. Um, whereas Cinch's stuff is just like buffs, 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 buffs. It's not like if you don't play into the mechanic, your campaign's going to up and die. Um, whereas this it seems like you are forced to have to deal with this stuff. The, the thing is, this is a, this is a complete copy paste of the Priam mechanic from Troy. Um, and again, it's like you said, it's you're competing against. Chaos, you're competing against... They've also mentioned that you're, you're competing against the Empire and the vampires and so on. And then you're competing against your own people, which, for me, makes no sense if it was the fact that, yes, the people would be like old Kislev law where you had two different cultures which were known to argue and fight. Cool. But this is just a church and state, and it just makes no sense to me. Why would I want to... Would we not be fighting for the same greater good in a term of a thematic sense, right? We know hordes of chaos are coming down. Why am I focusing on some old Rasputin, like, warhammer Although, version? to be fair, this is very historically accurate. Yeah, personally, yes. per <laughs> yeah, personally I, I like the mechanic. But for me, the, for me, the thing that I enjoy about it is I kind of like the idea of dealing with a an infighting type situation without actually just declaring war and just because I, I feel like for a lot of um armies it uh, it tends to be kind of a fast track situation of your confederation mechanic is you just co either completely ignore them until you gobble them up through like some automatic button that you click or you just beat the shit out of them until you force them to join up with you i i personally kind of like that kislev offers a a new perspective of that they are a rival so you can't declare war on them without, you know, and gaining a lot of massive penalties, but you are still competing against them while working towards a greater goal. And it, I, hopefully, I mean, for me, it's going to come down to if they do a good job of making it feel intrinsic. Like, I, I really agree with what Legend said of that I would not want it to be a system of, like, it's making me do stuff I would not otherwise do in order to fill up this meter. Hopefully it's just that through just playing the faction, like kicking the crap out of chaos and uh, like hopefully like using the prayers to these gods because I really want those buffs and unlocks. Hopefully by doing that, I'm filling up the meter just by like playing the army in any way that it can be played as opposed to like, oh, if you don't play this a specific way, then you're going to have a bad time. Because if they do it that way, then I agree that it would not be fun. Um, hopefully yeah, that's what I was suspecting. Yeah, hopefully it's a system of this further enhances your experience of if you're just playing Kislev, um, you will find ways to fill the meter. It's just about finding a way that works with your play style, um, which, of course, can be a tricky thing uh, to land from a game development perspective. I mean, we have to go through, uh, what is it, supporters, right? That's that's what fills in the bar. 
Yeah, but you gain supporters um, by, uh, like, they, they mentioned that one of the easiest ways to get it, to fill up the meters, by just fighting Chaos. So whenever you beat yeah, look, a Chaos it army... Says, oh, it says it there, supporters generated one when gaining a character rank. So, obviously, make a sack city and start spamming levels up. And yeah. you'll just gain lots of supporters that way. Yeah, so so they... they're encouraging you to cheese the hell out of the game, which I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah, kiss level probably. Full stack of heroes, just level up characters. That's it. Um, when a character reaches level 40, just band it, start again, get more supporters. Yep. Well, this leads me to um this leads me to a question then. Cause I I must admit I didn't play a lot of Trojans when it came to uh, uh, any Trojans, or... I didn't play it once. Uh, yeah, I, I mostly liked the Greeks, but the Trojans had this mechanic. But I'm assuming that by player bias, the other faction would just be automatically getting stuff without doing anything? Yeah, that's just how it's always been with that stuff. They just It's the same thing in the Vortex campaign um, with the, the Vortex resource. The AI just gets it for free. They don't actually... Like, if you... If you look at all the ways that they could potentially generate it, they're always generating way more than they should because it's sort of relative to how they're like... The AI, the, the, the game sort of identifies when somebody's fallen behind and goes, okay, here's a little bit more for you. Uh, right. So that the AI factions are sort of keeping up with each other. Oh, this so, is it, why so it, rubber bands? Yeah, rubber bands. Um, that's one of the reasons why I hate the Vortex camp campaign so much. It's so scripted. Um, which is why if you just don't play into it, it actually slows down the progress of the other factions, because if you're lagging behind, the uh, the game is not constantly being like, come on, AI, come on, keep keep trying to keep up. You know, whereas if you rush it, it like it actually forces the game to make it actually harder for you. Sort of. Um there's there's a lots of the 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 AI is not playing the same game as you, and they never have that because if they did, they would always lose. Every single time they would always lose. Yeah, I, I'm curious how they're going to handle it uh, with the system, because I'm with you, Nathan. I don't know what, how the AI does it in Troy. Like, uh, I, I would assume it just gets like a base amount, depending on what's going on. Um, but it, it seems like it's a fairly simple system, so maybe the AI is able to actually legit do it. Because it, it seems like with Kislev, the, the, what it is is that each of the four gods generates supporters through a different way. Because the only one we've seen is Soliak, because they have it clicked on her. And Soliak is the one where every time you level up a character, you get one supporter. Um, so it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see uh, like what the different ways to gather supporters are. And of course, we do know that it isn't just a pure race. You can sabotage the enemy, uh, which are the supporter actions you see there in the bottom right. Um, they have made mention that if you like spend money, you can sabotage. If you're playing Katarin, you can sabotage Kostalton and knock his meter down um in order to like buy yourself more time or something like that um yeah lit literally the troy mechanic just copy pasted and reskin well yeah well why why come up <laughs> with something completely brand new when you could just like take something from another game and it's new in this game like if you have, if you <laughs> troy, haven't played troy it's still troy new is, <laughs> troy is a tech demo for warhammer 3 <laughs> <laughs> i said that i said that in a uh in a stream a while back and people got angry it's like look it's just it, it's it's generally a good game. Like I like Troy. The only problem is I just don't like how it was handled. But like if it would have just been a Steam release and not gone to Epic, I think it would be doing a lot better because mechanically it's good. The entire game, Troy, was just like an, a huge divisive uh, survey to see which mechanics that they wanted to put into Warhammer 3 or not. <laughs> did, did All you it was. 
No, no, That's... like, did you see, um, you know that uh, thing with the unique monsters in Troy where Mythos came out, right? Uh, where you have, you can go for the, the, the griffin, the, the dog, or the hydra. Like, that yeah, all is what creatures I... that don't exist in Warhammer. <laughs> but you know these uh that's kind of how i imagine a possible mechanic in the future for chaos undivided where you can devote yourself to a god with like maybe the warriors of chaos and stuff like that or how the warriors of chaos will be able to unlock mono god units by going on some random expedition to be able to fight a greater demon to then get those mono god units maybe um just yeah. like norska well, Noska's kind of. <laughs> Can we just delete? Uh, he's, he's not wrong. He's technically, he's not wrong. Noska, like, I don't even acknowledge that it fucking exists, man. At this point, like, <laughs> like I just, I want that DLC gone, man. I, I, I really. That's do. how. Look, that's how I felt about the Beastman. I used to say, you know, people asked asked me what could they do to fix the Beastman. I said they should just delete that faction from the game. They fixed the Beastman. Yeah, they'll, they'll fix so Norska. They they'll, Norska. They'll get around to it. It took five years. So it took five years. So, yeah, we're not we're not going anywhere. <laughs> More than likely. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, holy crap! It took five years. I, like, I, I agree. Norska is terrible right now. Right now, it's terrible, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I can't it'll get there. Forty years old, and them eventually we'll getting see. their rework. It'll get there. Yeah, well, you know, they I, look. I think Norska's next because I I saw somewhere they said that they think that Norska was the one most in need of it, and they definitely are right about that. Yeah, and it's, it seems so, that Norska is going to be a pretty important faction in Total War Warhammer Three. Uh, uh, as one of the well, the World Walkers, Throgna. <laughs> they're probably going to be out there being a like an early beat up faction you can slap around as Cathay or something um so oh. uh one of uh continuing on with uh Kislev one of uh the next faction or mechanic they have which I'm actually pretty uh excited for because this this is not a new mechanic to Total War but it's the Adamans so recruiting characters who are specifically designed to basically be slotted into watching over a province um and they just like generate buffs and abilities for it um so they're not combat characters they are campaign characters who are designed to kind of level up and provide various buffs and kind of manage your empire mm. i feel like that does sound familiar but i'm not sure if any other total war game has had exactly that before where you assign governors into certain provinces i mean i think we've only had a few total war games that have done that only a few <laughs> only a few it's definitely hasn't been every single one of them ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I am excited to see it coming to Total War. Um, I, I, I honestly kind of hope it spreads to a couple more factions. Um, a lot. Okay, uh, chat. I don't think that there was there was a slash s chat slash s. <laughs> They're all like, "What about this?" Yeah, game? <laughs> look, I'm I'm very sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> Is he sure? Has he played this game? <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, like I, I actually kind of like the idea that uh, one thing I find interesting is that it's, you can't just recruit as many as you want. You only get one adamant for every two provinces. So you're always going to have to be making choices about where they go. Um, you're, you're never going to have enough adamants for all of your empire. Um, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm really curious what exactly kind of abilities they're going to be bringing in, but between them and Cathay, um, it, it really seems like they're starting to lean into this creating a new lord type that isn't like a real new lord but is almost kind of like a dark elf fleet master um in that they're like a pseudo new lord that provides a very specific function 
because with Kislev, we've now got the Adaman. With Cathay, uh, which we'll get into in a minute, uh, we've got the the um, the trade road boss caravan guy. Um, but uh, personally, I'm I'm really looking forward to the Adaman. Um, I I I imagine it's going to be exactly like the Fleet Master in that it'll probably just be like a a boyar or whatever the Lord guy is. Um, but maybe he'll have like slightly different equipment or a slightly different appearance. But he's not meant to be in battle. He's meant to be providing you buffs on the campaign map. Nathan, you look like yeah. you got something on your tongue. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, man. It's just, uh, I like the idea. It's it's cool that they're saying this, because obviously, like, we know, like, where, where was it here? Uh, uh, sorry, I'm just... They, no, you good. can... You can use them in battle, right? They did mention. Yeah, that. you can. You you can take them out of their provincial thing and use them to lead an army. Um, but they mentioned that's not like what they're good at. Until... I'm and uh, they say they can't gain experience the normal way. But I wonder if they mean that like they can also gain experience through other things, or if they just can't get experience through battle. Because otherwise, like I think most people would immediately take them out of their province, throw them into like a. A, a just sacking a settlement a hundred times, get them to max level, and then put them in a province. I think I think they'll just take off that experience bar. I mean, maybe just have it with. Uh, I think Troy had this again, where you would do dilemmas, and that would get you experience up on your units for the expedition. Yeah, that that's what they're that's what they uh, say in the article is that they'll do dilemmas to level up, um, and Which, like we'll level up watching oh, over our province. Is so much fun. But how often I hope they do it exactly the same way as the uh, the Forge of Death. I'm talking original Forge of Death. Random. Ah uh, yes. And everyone loved it. Yeah. <laughs> everyone loved it. It was the best mechanic. Take away the player's control. That's exactly how you make a faction great again. Uh I'm being sarcastic, by the way. Yeah. No, he's being literal. Take take him at yeah. everything he says exactly. No, I don't like I don't like randomness. I don't like dilemmas. Uh, you know, just, well, I, just, I don't like that stuff at all. Well, that's the question, actually, because if it's going to be dilemmas, how often will these dilemmas be, or will these lords just be like? Because look, dilemmas it's, it's it, it provides basically nothing, barring just like every now and then you get that good one, which increases your growth when you need growth increases. But even then, you're like. It doesn't really like you completely ignore them most of the time. You just click no, 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 and that's it. Well, I, I imagine it's not going to be a yes no thing. It's probably going to be like this thing has happened. You have to you have to choose either this or this. There's four choices. There'll be four choices. You know, <laughs> four choices. Spend yeah, one thousand gold gain this much. Uh, spend one thousand uh, devotion gain this much. Lose uh, lose. Uh, or no, no, gain devotion and lose control. Who knows? The four choices. It's, it's, with the dilemma stuff, it's always four choices. It's the same thing with like the the slans with um, uh, with lizardmen. They've, they've actually got five slans, but I hate that. So there can much. only be four choices. I don't even. Don't, let's hold on. Let's let's pivot. Let's yeah. not even get into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I knew that that would trigger you. Just <laughs> saying. A mod fixes that and adds in all the remaining slans. So yeah. A mod fixes everything. Yeah. If you go into custom battles, there's five five laws of slans, but yep. you can't have five dilemmas. It makes no sense. It's, it's uneven. So <laughs> it's it's impossible with the, the 
computing power we have in this age. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving on to the next mechanic, we've got the Ice Court. So Kislev has a new system where you no longer unlock the ability to recruit wizards. Uh, okay. Uh, well, it'll just be us for a minute then. <laughs> a legend, how are you? How have you been? Yeah, good. Uh, I've been very relaxed. Yeah, enjoying yourself? Anything, been up to anything particularly uh, interesting or just been chilling out? I've just been chilling out. I've been been very, very lazy. That... I went from working like 60 hours a week to working like eight hours a week. It's, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's so much easier. It's very manageable now. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, good. I'm glad you're doing well, man. Uh, and thanks, yeah. uh, thanks, of course, for coming on. Um, it's all right. So, I was uh... busy, but it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so looking at the uh, the ice court, um, so basically instead of just recruiting a wizard, so you unlock the ability to recruit them and you just buy them, end of story. Um, this system seems to instead be that uh, you will um, initiate recruiting one, so you'll pay some money to start their training. And once you start their training, it will uh, unleash a series of dilemmas where you pick in a binary system, one of two choices um, uh, to customize them towards certain things. So you'll, so the example they give us is that it looks like this character has an option between uh, a campaign buff and a battle buff. So it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the uh, dark elf system. When dark elves get a, a title, uh, like a title of power or whatever, you'll get a dilemma that's like, do you want your title to be this? And it gives you these buffs, or do you want to get this and it gives you these buffs? And generally, they are like a campaign buff versus a battle buff. Um, uh, personally, I, I do no, no. like oh. with the with the dark elves. You choose if it's a dark elf lord. You choose between three different types of dilemmas. So you choose between a faction wide buff and oh, army wide yeah. yeah, yeah. buff or right. a lord buff. And then the two there's like there's always the pet there's two that are always paired together. And then there's like five different types of dilemmas that will show up for each one. That's that's how yeah, that, that's that right. Works. Yeah, uh, yeah. I drew I drew a brain fart there. Uh, so it's okay. It's okay. Uh, for for the ice witches, um, personally, I I actually really like this because I feel like it's probably gonna lead to less of what I end up doing, which is I'll open my tab of heroes and look at characters and be like, I don't like any of these traits. Um, and so like I'll wait a few turns or hire someone and immediately suicide them to try and get a better trait. Uh, whereas this, yep. like, you'll be able to pick your traits. Uh, which I I, I think oh, is, I like that. Yeah. Is, is probably gonna be I'll, a I'll lot buy a trait. That'll make cheesing a lot easier. Yeah. Can I buy some knowledgeable, please? Like, I am, I am more than happy to, like, add a few turns, to, but to get a trait that I want instead of the old system of, like, just hoping I roll good on the randomization. Yeah, there's nothing quite like uh, playing a vampire count campaign and being, like, 40 turns in and you haven't gotten your first knowledgeable necromancer yet. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, please, God, stop giving me aggressive... I've wasted, I've wasted 50,000 dark magic. Can I please just have one? Stop giving me Persistent. aggressive necromancers. I don't need yeah. aggressive necromancers. <laughs> yeah. Uh Nathan, any thoughts? Someone put it on the uh on the Discord once. It's Build a Bell. It's literally Build a Bell. I like Build a Bear. It's it's What's a that? it's a cool place. It's a place where you go build a teddy bear. This <laughs> oh, okay. is Build a Bell, but for spellcasters. And oh, all right. I all I feel is this is going to be forgotten about because look, it takes what six turns to 
uh, well, we, we assume six turns is the baseline because obviously it says six there. Um, how often do you guys just skip all notifications? And sometimes cock up, sometimes because, oh, I forgot to upgrade this building. Oh, I forgot to do this. If that's tied to that too, your, your spellcasters are going to suck. Well, I, I, I imagine, like, uh, I mean, if, if, if you're just kind of spam clicking through your notifications, you might miss them for a few turns, but I imagine there's not, like, a hard timer on, like, uh, I imagine it's, you start training them, and it asks you to pick a trait, uh, and once you pick a trait, you probably just have to wait for a certain amount of turns, and then they go into your recruitment pool, unless you somehow get the ability to give them multiple traits, which I would be surprised at, but I suppose it's possible. Um, and, of course, we don't know what the tech tree is going to do to it. I imagine it will have interactions with the tech tree. As far as like uh, maybe giving you more traits, or you can—it's a faster timer, uh, or it like who knows uh, uh, beyond just uh, recruitment ranks. Um, like it, I, I just I like I just kind of I, I am down for more customizable characters, uh, even if it's kind of a, a faction-specific mechanic. Uh, it's personally something I uh, I will. Uh, enjoy as far as being able to I, I like to plan my characters and I like to have really specific traits and try and get like really good synergies and stuff which I think this uh, Kislev is like leaning really nicely into I'm just um, it, it just makes me think about a few things because obviously uh, spellcaster lords are generally the things that most people want to go for because well, let's be honest magic's kind of broken into a war when comparing it why would you want a melee lord when you can have the one that literally casts fireballs or Shit like that. I've got that, Carl Franz. Exactly. <laughs> but now, if it takes six turns, I don't want to take, wait six turns to to get a spellcaster. Like it's a bit weird, you know. It is kind of strange. Uh, I, well, I think it's just a it's just a like not risk versus reward, but like effort versus reward. I guess. Like if if you're able to get really significant traits and really able to design, yeah, that uh, that will make a big difference. That is actually quite good. I think I, I like that. Yeah. I, I'm more than happy to wait longer to get one that I want because I am constantly recruiting and disbanding bad traits in order to get the one, traits that I want because they they do make a huge difference if you focus on it. Mm. Honestly... It just depends. I mean, if you don't. If you don't want, if you don't care about a good trait or whatever, you just want to get one in a rush, then just, you know, order it in advance and just don't worry too much about. Yeah, just speak like traits I get. Just order it in advance. Yeah. Just... yeah, just just you know, order one and Amazon will deliver it eventually. It's gonna be beat up and quite pissed in, but whatever. <laughs> it'll it'll you get there. See my post office. It's it'll get there. Good. It'll get there. It won't be any good, but you'll get it. Or you can FedEx it. <laughs> All right, and then the uh, the last thing of note for Kislev is, of course, their tech tree, um, which their their tech tree is kind of interesting in that it's it's uh, kind of Norska's tech tree in a sense, but taken to another level. Of that, the major vast majority of their tech tree is tied behind owning specific settlements, uh, in that you have their basic tree, and then there is a tree for Kislev, a tree for Erengrad, and a tree for Prague which themselves seem to also have building locks. So it seems like you're going to have to build specific buildings probably in those cities in order to unlock the later techs uh, down the line. But uh, they, there seems to be a lot of weight being applied to. They really want you to be eager to take Prague, Kislev, and Erengrad. Like, those three cities are really important for a Kislev campaign. Oh, I can't, 
I can't wait for somebody to send me in a campaign. Oh, legend, how my campaign's going so well. I decided to conquer Norska to begin with, and they own next to nothing of Kislev. I can't <laughs> wait for that. <laughs> you know, see this huge sprawling empire which starts at Prague because they lost their main capital, just goes all the way through Norska, turn 300, chaos invasions coming through. None of the tech trees. Done. <laughs> I've lost. I've had someone sent in. I've had someone sent in a save file where none, no technologies have been done before. Wow, they that... shouldn't do that intentionally. Though. Yeah, that, that's got to be deliberate. Well, he never <laughs> built the buildings needed to unlock the first tech. Oh, it was like turn fifty. Just <laughs> he never built it. Man, that, I have had that happen before. There is, there is nothing that I think will humble a person. Like you, you think you're like nobody can mess this up. This is like super basic game design. And then there, you meet some people, and you're like, never mind, <laughs> never yeah. mind. I understand I've, now. I've seen things. I have seen things. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> And that's that's spooky, um, but uh, yeah, like it it it's it's basically uh, I I'm I'm curious if they're gonna make it difficult to acquire the cities you don't have. I imagine whichever uh Kislev campaign you play as will start you with one of the cities. Presumably, Katarin will probably start with the city of Kislev itself. Kostaltin will probably be in Prague, if I had to guess, um, and then it's uh just kind of there'll probably be some minor faction you have to deal with um so I, i'm guessing they're gonna try and kind of ward it behind the idea of you need to go through the um the favor system or the supporter system in order to confederate those factions uh or get lucky and hope that somebody else like runs over and raises it or takes it so you can take it back through force uh because i imagine they're not going to make it super easy as far as like running over and just grabbing it in order to unlock the techs but we'll have to see. Any any final yeah. thoughts on Kislev before we go to Cathay? Yeah, uh, it lacks a lot of context. I mean, all the stuff might be good or it might not be good. It just depends on how the AI is balanced. Um, unlike with the Cinch stuff, which if you do get access to it, it's just going to be fun all for everyone. Whereas this this could go either way. I think. Yeah, it it, it does certainly seem a little less. Um... I don't, I don't know what I'm looking for, but uh, it's a little less razzle dazzle than Zinch's is. Yeah, it doesn't have the context of how the uh, the other factions are going to play it with it. Whereas Zinch's stuff doesn't require what uh, what everyone else is doing. It's just like, oh, cool, you can do this and you can do that. Whereas the Kislev mechanic is, you've got to play around with the other factions. You you need to know what they're doing. So what you're going to do is largely going to be dependent on what the other Kislev faction does. Yeah. And if you don't know what they do, then who knows how your campaign's going to go down. Yeah, fair point. It just has no context. Nathan, any thoughts before we jump to Cathay? No, I mean, look, I, I I like the Kislev mechanics. I, I am probably more excited for Kislev than I am Cafe. Um, but where are my uncles? Yeah, they are They are weirdly absent. Um, yeah. Like, there's Gospodar stuff, literally... Uh, named everywhere. D DLC. Yeah, so that's gotta leave something for DLC. Yeah, that's what there I'm thinking go. too. Is that they're like, cause that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Um, cause it's either that the Ungles are there, but they're just not using the word for some reason, or they're yeah. saving it for a big DLC. Uh, yeah. which I hope is the latter because I really wanted to see the Ungles as a major thing. But... No, certain powers that be could just delete them because oh, it doesn't make sense anymore in this new law. 
Well, I mean, they could, but I I don't know. Like if if they if they were willing to like update all of the weird old Cathay lore that didn't make sense and be like, ah, here's how it makes sense now. I don't see why they wouldn't make the Ungols work. That doesn't make any sense. But anyway, seen weirder. That's true. <laughs> You're not wrong. All right. So last but certainly not least, at least uh, depending on your opinion, we're on to Grand Cathay and their system. So the first thing they make note of is that we have the Harmony system, which is basically that uh, everything in the Cathay campaign, from their text to their buildings to what lords you recruit, will generate either yin or yang. And depending on what you generate, it will push your Harmony meter towards one side. Uh, and it sounds like if you keep it in the center, you get the most buffs when you are in Harmony. Uh, but if you push too far to one side, it may provide uh, specific buffs, but it starts to depower buildings related to that as you, uh, like, overdose on Yin or Yang, it seems. Uh, they make mention Thank that... You. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. What'd you no, say? I'll let you finish. Sorry. <laughs> you, you finish. You finish. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the one thing they do make mention of as kind of an example is that if you go, like, super-duper hard on Yang, there are buildings that are Yang-aligned, and they will apparently become less efficient. Uh, if you have too much yang in your system. Mm. Funny thing is about the whole harmony system is that Creative Assembly's marketing department has no idea about harmony. They're just like all yang to trailer, 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 trailer. <laughs> <laughs> no balance. No balance at all. Just yang it up like crazy. Forget about ying. Just the fools. All yang. They, sh they should have yeah. learned. <laughs> they should have learned their yeah. own lessons. Yeah. You got to balance it out. You got to, you know, Throw in a trailer, give some mechanics. Throw in a trailer, give some mechanics. Not just like, just trailers, trailers, trailers. Uh, so oh it, God, it, yeah. it does seem that, um, it does seem that Cathay is going to be a race that, it, it doesn't seem like, like you have to do a specific plan as far as like you have to play it the same way every time, but it does seem that it's not necessarily a race, or it is a race that's going to punish you for going like, I really like this particular thing, so I'm going to go all in on this. Uh, it seems like it's really going to want you to do, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of this, I'm going to do a little bit of this, I'm going to do a little bit of this, and I'm going to do a little bit of this. Um, depending, of course, on how severe the buffs are. I mean, there, there are some factions in the game that have that have debuffs, like like Queek. If Queek doesn't own Carrick 8 Peaks, like, who gives a shit? What's, like, one minus one public order? Minus <laughs> two. It, like, you know, it's like, who cares? Um, so, uh... If you're playing on Legendary, you're already at minus eight, so yeah, then you're at minus ten. I, I'm curious how significant um, the the debuffs will be if you're not in harmony. But I do overall like the idea. Like I, I like kind of a I like the idea of kind of having a tit for tat in the sense of like needing to pay attention to what you're doing, uh, and kind of being having to check in every once in a while and being like, okay, how am I doing from like a yin and yang perspective? Do I need to like I'm I'm really enjoying investing heavily on Yang lords and Yang units. So does that mean I need to invest more heavily into Yin techs in order to balance it out, or do I maybe dedicate a province to Yin in order to balance out all my Yang focus and et cetera like that? I think that actually has a pretty interesting. Uh, it it, um, it, it make, might make the player think a little bit, which Total War Warhammer doesn't yeah, always do. I think I think what they're trying to do is because currently in Total War, most armies benefit from being totally unbalanced. And I think that what they really want to drive home with Cathay is that they want you to build everything within balance. They don't want you to spam one unit type. They don't want you to have 20 wizards in one army. They want you to use, basically half of your armies should be 
yin units and half of them should be yang units and that they want you to build balance because there's there is a big outcry so what they're doing here i think is giving you buffs and benefits to balance whereas previously entire mechanics would just be entirely ignored just because the the bonuses are you know not that good so i'm sure that there's one of these is like not that good but you have to get it in any way in order to get the other stuff to be as good as it is so they balance things out so what you're telling that's my me, my interpretation of it so what you're telling me is you think that cafe is going to be the only one balanced throughout the whole game series i mean if... balanced balance is a is a general term like relative term i suppose like, yeah compared oh, to yeah. Stinch, i mean i'm sure cafe will be like a hundred percent more balanced than than cinch oh they'll, they'll, they'll be uh they'll be mary sue it's fine well it's yeah, like i'm, sure, I'm sure they'll yeah yeah there, there are factions that like they have different niches right like if you if you play total war warhammer 2 if if you want to play balanced well then you should never get anywhere near Ikit claw Ikit claw is the most broken dumb shit in the universe but nice but people just like it like and that's fine like not every faction needs to be balanced um uh, the, the whole philosophy of warhammer is that it's it's not a balanced level playing field it's it's all wibbly wobbly um and that but it, it seems like cathay is kind of trying to trying to find a way to make a faction that rewards you and is best played balanced because i mean i'm sure if you go watch any of legend stream you'll know that if you play any of the other races there are really specific things. If if you're just wanting to be as strong as possible, there are really specific things that you need to do. And there will be entire aspects of the armies that you're just not going to use. Um, like, that's not the way I play. Uh, you know, I like to play, like, balanced in the sense that I like to try and have everything. Because uh, I like the kind of the variety. But my playstyle is not optimal. It's just it's just the flavor that I like. Um, but it's it's by no means, like... It, you know it's harder to do <laughs> flat out <laughs> um and like uh but you know that's it that's kind of the whole thing with the sandbox game right is you can't um when you're dealing with a sandbox strategy game you can't force um players to utilize certain systems you just got to give them options and hope that you make it you incentivize them enough to utilize those options but when yeah. a small majority of the options are clearly the only best way to go there's not really an option, is there? No, there is an option. That's on you as a person or as a player. Well, that's what happens with Norska, right? This is the Norska problem, is that you have options and 99% of them are terrible. And one option, only one is like clearly the best. And they make the entire campaign so painful that it's just like, well, you know what? The only way I'm even going to have a chance of succeeding is by going down this one route that isn't total crap. So if they want to give you the options to do the other roads, then they have to make those roads viable and give you benefits. Even if they're not, you know, the most overpowered unit, there's got to be some sort of benefit from having it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's ultimately the thing. Like, I, I think the idea of having it where, like, oh, every race needs to be, like, this level of power. That's just, it's unachievable. It's never going to happen. Um, I, I think it's just, the best thing they could do is just try and make it fun, but try and have different play styles. You know, there will be yep, people who will hate certain races in warhammer and that's never going to change like doesn't matter how fun they are they just don't like that play style they're going to look at that and be like i i just i hate this i don't like this um yeah you know like like i think most people would agree beastmen are really fun right now 
but there are probably people that look at beastmen they're like i like to paint the map my color and i really like to have lots of buildings and all this stuff i hate this i don't want to do beastmen like i don't like this what if your color is a razor pencil yeah, yeah. Uh, open, open new horizons. Your your color is transparent. My color is transparent. <laughs> my my color is is alpha, <laughs> alpha yeah. setting. Yeah. Um, if so, you like uh, that, then beastmen of you. Yeah, like I I I think there's just there's just kind of uh, that that's just kind of an unavoidable aspect of the game is that there are going to be people that like they're going to see Cathay and they're going to try and they're going to go eh, not for me. Uh, that's, like, that's everyone's got that. I mean, like some of the was it high elves are the, the on average the most played race, but there are some people that just like hate the high elves. They just yeah. refuse to play them, and they're they're argue, like the high elves got the some of the best gifts, arguably the strongest race currently in in Total War Warhammer. Um, but some people just hate them. This is this is not for them. And the high elves have the most viable options that like you could almost pick any unit in their roster apart from early infantry and run with it. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just based on the way like people tend to be, it's it's very very likely that either Cathay or Kislev will be the most popular faction in Warhammer Three. Not because they're the best or they have the most Binge. options, Binge. but <laughs> I, I think that's just where like the average player is going to gravitate towards. Yeah, um, you're probably right. About I don't that. know why. It's just what they do. Like the, the most people, like the vast majority of a, a audience, seems to gravitate at least in a Warhammer setting. Um, in Warhammer One and Two, they tend to gravitate towards like the most human good guy faction with the most basic mechanics. It's not just. <laughs> it's, it's not just Warhammer. It's like it's like Reichland and then you get Lothurn, and yeah. then you get Kislev slash Cathay. It's just like people people like to play the good guys. Yeah, which is uh, why Gaven is so popular. So anyway, go on. Sorry. <laughs> it's not just Warhammer. It was actually uh, there was a study going out with MMOs, uh, interestingly enough, where stuff like World of Warcraft and some others were put into it, and they showed in the study that the grand majority of the player base is either with a human or a human-like character. How boring! It's just yeah. <laughs> how boring. It's I just, just want to point out something out about the Skaven. Um, do you know which race in Total War Warhammer are uh, the, the 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 most he heroic race is the one who kills the most Skaven? That's a that's so a very specific the, measurement. <laughs> yeah, it just so also happens to be the Skaven. Yeah, <laughs> this advertisement brought to you by <laughs> the Team Skaven. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So the next thing uh, we've got for Cathay is the Wuxing Compass. So the Wuxing Compass is a mechanic that allows you to, you basically uh, have a cooldown timer and you get this fancy compass thing that you can point at one of four places. And when you point at a place, uh, it will build up magic that makes its passive buff stronger, which the passive buffs slowly degenerate over time. And then it has an active buff that's only active when you're directly pointed at that particular place. Being the Great Bastion, the Celestial Lake, the Warpstone Desert, and the Dragon Emperor himself, or his Wrath. Um, seems like a very straightforward mechanic. Uh, it's basically just a uh, pick a power-up for a certain amount of turns, and by going through the tech tree or uh, fully upgrading the Great Bastion, uh, you reduce the cooldown timer so you can switch it around faster, uh, which will be probably a significant power-up because it provides global buffs through its passives, so the faster you can change the needle, the more often you can keep the ones that have passives at full uh, in order to have the most powerful buffs that you can. Um, well, it, 
from what we can see here, look at the Celestial Lake growth plus three. Yeah, Cathay, all Cathay factions. Whoa, do you know how much growth you need to get to tier five? Two thousand. Yeah, they're definitely not crazy looking at the moment. Uh, it, it'll be. I'm curious uh, if they look like they're at a halfway point, but I'm curious if it the meter goes all the way empty or if the halfway point's like the second lowest. Maybe. Yeah, when it maybe. goes to full, it's like plus five. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a little bigger. But, I know um, it looks like that, but like, look at the uh, Dragon Emperor's Wrath, right? Control plus one for cafe, all cafe factions, and that's halfway. Oh, that's good so stuff. Plus you get one. Plus half, plus like 0. 0.5 if... Yeah. Well, look I, at, look I imagine that if it bastion. did... Imagine Casualty it... replenishment rate plus 4%. <sighs> one extra troop yeah, in all I, you I imagine if it turn. dips to the lowest level, you take penalties. Uh, I would assume, yeah. or or it's just zero. It might just be zero at the lowest. Yeah, you could level. be right about that. Um, yeah. and ho hopefully, if it's at the highest level, it's like substantially bigger and doesn't just go up by plus one. <laughs> hopefully, it's up by a multiplier, not an addition. Um, but um, uh, it's definitely not like the most engaging mechanic. Uh, but it does have some interest. Like it does seem like there will be times, especially for the active buffs, where you'll have to think like, eh, do I really want to like try and pump attrition into enemy armies? Do I want to? Do this other thing, like there are there Needs are more dilemmas. Needs more dilemmas. <laughs> Needs more dilemmas. Uh yeah. speaking I of dilemmas, I mean it, it it looks like an interesting system. I, I wouldn't say that it's like game breaking, but you know, it it adds it's it's just another cherry to have on top of your cafe cake. Yeah. No, funny enough, I actually like this though. Uh I know CA will never add it in, so we need a modder to do it. So any modders listening to this. When the game comes out, please think of this video. Um, could you just have a roulette so it could just we could just click it and it will randomly? Oh, that's oh. racist! That's very Chinese. <laughs> I kind of like yeah, the idea of just some random. Legend, please. <laughs> Instead of going on Great Bastion or Celestial Lake or just picking one, just go click and whichever one it falls on, you can stay there just for like a challenge. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's like a... I mean, you could just roll a dice or something. <laughs> Why do you want a mod a spin in? <laughs> I, I, want, I want a mod for that. I you want you just want to spin the wheel? You're like, I just gotta... <laughs> yeah, spin the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Call up Bob Barker. Let him know it's time that's, for me to spin exactly the wheel. That's exactly what uh, Warhammer, Warhammer China needs is a gambling mechanic. <laughs> They're already pretty much bringing in the communism into it. Let's just be honest. All right, now we're going too far. No, I'm just saying... <laughs> Behave, children. All right, so next we've got the Ivory Road. Um, this mechanic got a lot of people excited. Uh, I'm one of those people. I'm actually really interested in the Ivory Road. So um, the Ivory Road, uh, for anyone that hasn't read it, is basically that you will have the ability to recruit trade caravans. Uh, and these caravans uh, apparently try to go to the Empire. So they basically travel the Ivory Road and, uh, well, I, I don't know if they necessarily go to the Empire. Maybe they can go the Spice Road and go to End as well. But they travel the Ivory Road to get somewhere. Uh, trade with somebody and then come back. However, they are not simply a, um, like, you click it and then it's done. There is actually a physical army that appears on the map that travels automatically. You don't have control over it at all, um, but it moves across the map and you will get dilemmas, of course, um, that allow you to pick specific routes. Um, and you can also buy, like, upgrades and they have specific lords that will have a, um, a skill tree that you can buff them to help them out. And your goal is to try and find safe routes to wherever it is you're trying to trade while avoiding getting your caravans attacked. But because they are actually traveling armies, they can actually be attacked. 
um, which means this mechanic is actually very interesting for enemy players as well as Cathay players. Uh, what, what, what are y'all's thoughts on it? It's it's very context heavy. Like we just need to see how how it behaves. Like um, it kind of reminds me of like a way better version of the interception armies from from the Vortex campaign, where you just like board an army and you just can't have control over it. Um, whereas this this definitely seems better, but it just it just depends. It, it also kind of reminds me of the empire dilemmas that occur when an elect account is under attack and you have a choice about how you want to defend them, which it's barely a choice. Um, sometimes it's very easy to defend them and you feel like, oh, that was an easy one. You're given a sufficient amount of force. Sometimes the battle is outright impossible because the amount of troops that you get is so little and your your allies will not coordinate with you at all and you just can't get to them in time it's like literally impossible so it can be very frustrating when those uh, those events occur it just depends if they're going to do that with this and how how uh, how much thought they put into it yeah Which, I, you know, sorry go on uh, uh i was all i was gonna say is that i i really hope they allow a lot of customizations like as far as like how you design the yeah. caravan like okay do you want to invest to have like a really powerful army like what units do you want to put in it stuff like that hopefully you have some uh, like a good level of control over that and it's not just spawn of random stack yeah which could have the, the more control it. the better and the more random the worse it is yeah i agree the less when they when they do this stuff like this and this an element that's out of your control they do have a habit of occasionally throwing such a huge curveball at it that you couldn't possibly deal with it. Um, and that can be very frustrating uh, when they do that, that kind of stuff. And it's just oversight or just lack of lack of um, balancing it. Yeah, well, and hopefully they learn from the Vortex. Because, I mean, the Vortex, I would say, is not... I don't know if I would say 100% universally, but I would say the vast majority of the community is not a fan of it or outright hates it, um, like the actual yeah. Vortex race. And it's because it's so random. Um, it is immensely random in that not only is it just a slow slog, but you're dealing with like all of these armies that spawn. You have no idea where they're going to spawn. They're very difficult to predict. Um, like the AI can spawn intervention armies on your capital like any time. Uh, and it's 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 stupid because you, you have yeah, zero it, control. It punishes the player for doing the main mission. If you ignore the... Uh... Because if you if you like at the very earliest opportunities do the various missions, you'll you lose diplomatic relations with the other races, right? And you can keep accumulating mm. more of that resource. So you don't have to do any of the vortex missions until you're completely finished with your with your race. Uh, and another thing is, if somebody finishes the uh, the actual vortex, um, usually what ends up happening? Let's just say you're playing as high elves and Nagarond finishes. All the other factions declare war on Nagarond, right? And everyone's dogpiling on them. And you, you haven't even done the first Vortex. And then you have this option to finish them off at, the, at the, the final Vortex. If you focused on yourself at the beginning, and you actually have a good army, you can easily knock that army out because you team up with the other races and you just knock them out of the race completely. You don't even have to play the Vortex. There's so many things in there that just, as I say, you are punished for playing it. Like, the rewards you get for finishing your Vortex missions are not worth the entirety of the other Vortex races, like, dogpiling on you. And they will. They'll send intervention races and everything at you. Yeah, Vortex is definitely a good showcase of what not to do. <laughs> so, yeah. and hopefully that lesson continues to stick. Um, But yeah, I, I, I am very curious to see this 
mechanic and action uh because if they do it right it could be a lot of fun like i really like choose your own adventure kind of little stories so kind of having like a sub choose your own adventure thing where you have this caravan you're just telling it kind of vaguely where to go when they encounter problems and try to figure out solutions like oh this road is blocked which way do we go now and stuff uh i'm, I'm curious how much it will um interact with the actual campaign map as far as like okay my caravan has to go through the mountains of Morn. So is that going to incentivize me to be allies with the ogres so that they don't attack my caravan because we're friends? And does it de-incentivize me to like not be at war? Or if I'm going to be at war, make sure I'm like guarding them with another army as it goes through these dangerous lands or make sure I take these territories so that they're going through my lands. Um, because if I'm enemies with these factions, are they going to like come down and try and attack the caravan and kill it? Because we know if you're playing, if you're not playing as Cathay, you can absolutely attack a Cathayan caravan, um, which will, of course, piss them off, but you can steal lots of goodies from it, which I think is honestly going to be... I, I, I think Cathay will be very popular for head-to-head um, -head campaigns uh, because of that mechanic, but um, depending on how it's utilized, if it's utilized well, I think it'd be very fun. You play as Who knows if they're even going to have head-to-head -head campaigns in Warhammer 3. They might just delete multiplayer entirely. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would go over great. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, know what everyone's favorite thing is? Removing features. <laughs> oh yeah, people are always for it. Like, nobody cares about naval battles. We <laughs> never hear about that, and we yeah. never hear about full-player co-op. Yep. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Never heard of them. Avatar Conquest? Yeah. Not a thing. Never heard of it. <laughs> never happened. Uh, Nathan, what were you going to say? Never happened. Sorry, he's just taking me back to naval battles, and I'm just... It really, it really pisses me off. It's another man. world. It's another world, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything to say about the Ivory Road? You look like you were going to say something a minute ago. I mean, it's fun. It it's look. I'll be very honest with you. When it comes to these things, until I see gameplay, I I I just can't get hyped up too much and so on. Like, yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I mean, I like that we actually get some information about this, whereas yeah. the cinematic battles that they do, which I just call trailers, um. I can't get hyped about them at all because they literally tell us nothing. Whereas this does actually give us some information. It's not the full picture. We don't know everything and it, missing a lot of context, but at least we have something. And it's, it is starting to build something of an idea of what the campaign is going to be like with Warhammer 3. Because we've only gone through uh, three out of essentially seven of the, uh, the, the starting races, faction mechanics. Weber. Mm -hmm. What what worries me is that th this is a thing because I'm looking at it from a fan point of view. When we saw the trailers for Warhammer One, we saw artillery on walls. I so like yeah, you saw that in a cinematic. This is the thing you can't you can never trust cinematics from CA. You just can't trust it. It's just like all the cinematic tells you is that this game is being developed. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the 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 war machines on walls like. The, the, as long as they're designing the cities so my artillery could shoot over the wall, which they're doing now, I, I don't really care. Are they? Because that siege uh, battle thing, you can see the uh, Cathayan artillery hitting its own wall. Uh, well, I mean, it's also, like, a firework-type unit that shoots like that. But, um, like, so, y are you going to hit your own stuff? Probably. But uh, It's very, hey, it's historically authentic. Like, I, like, friendly fire is a like a thing you got to deal with with war machines that doesn't bother me at all uh oh yeah yeah but like the, the fact that they showed that off in a trailer where like that's always been an issue like how many times will you take artillery 
to a siege defense? Well, for, for me, it depends on how I'm going to be able to make them work. Like, if, depends on the top of the artillery, yeah. Yeah, if they've, if they've got like, hey, here's a nice hill that's going to let my cannons fire over the wall, and it's not on the wall. I, I, like, at first, I really wanted artillery on the walls, but the more I think about it, the more I realize that it would probably be a stupid thing, because the thing is, is the, the walls are just the first wave, and if you could put your artillery on the wall, it would probably be stuck or at the very least it's not going to be able to retreat in time when you need it to and the enemy just climbs up the wall and kills it instantly if i've got it further back in the city as long as i can shoot over the wall because there's now elevation in cities and then when they come through it's now firing at the people that are coming through because the sieges are going to revolve mostly around once you're past the wall that's fine like that's that's better in my opinion yeah, the siege rework is not utilizing walls at all. I think CA has recognized that they have goofed up with walls big time, and they're just like, okay, walls are not a thing of Warhammer 3. They're just like the first hurdle, and it's becoming more about the second, third, fourth hurdle after that. It's more about fighting in the streets, not about fighting in the walls. Yeah, I'd agree. They screwed it up with Warhammer 1, they're just moving straight on to, to fighting in the streets, which is currently how most battles should be fought um in warhammer 2 if you oh, yeah. fight in the seat you just stay in your zone of control and that's it yeah because but... if you were gonna do fighting on the walls they'd have to add like, like you'd have to have stuff you could do because that's the thing is that you can't do anything on a wall like you can't dump oil you can't sap walls there's no there's no interaction every there. single infantry unit can just pull out butt letters yeah so yeah. because there's no like dynamic battle system on the walls um and I, that's what they had to decide going into three like when they're doing the siege rework they had to decide are we going to make the walls more dynamic or are we going to just make the cities a lot bigger make the cities dynamic and fight in the cities and they went with the cities option i still think you should have the option to fight on the wall though like you, you can it's just not you can if that's if that's the wall you want to die on <laughs> no no but i'm just saying they go oh yeah we're going to make sieges better well you know why not add in some boiling oil and stuff like that. Not only was it used in real life, but it was also... Yeah, you can just use boiling oil magic. Boiling oil magic, right. Yeah, just, that's what warp lightning is. <laughs> it's just boiling yeah. oil the spell. <laughs> no, but it would be nice. It would be nice. Cause... It would be nice, but, like, it's that eternal thing of there's only so much that can be done. There's only so much resources. There's only so much time. There's only so much money. And I, I, I think for having to make an entire game that, like, we, I, I think they've made mention of, like, we don't know how many reworks are in this game, but we know the magic system's being reworked, spells are being reworked, sieges are being reworked, there's new battle systems, diplomacy's probably being reworked, based on that Zeke stuff. That. We've got, we've got, what, six or seven new base races that are all very different and have completely unique mechanics, like, something's gotta give, man, and if the wall's gotta give, that's a sacrifice I think they did the smart thing on. Yeah, no, what they should have done was merged all mono gods into one race and made walls viable instead. That would have been a better use of their resources. So yeah, well, instead of launching with six races, we'll have three and but walls. Well, we're probably and, and gonna naval have battles. A... In naval, <laughs> battles, naval battles. In a mostly in a in a mostly landlocked area. We're probably gonna have a um uh, a chaos undivided faction with Bellacore anyway. So we're already getting yeah. that. It's, it's just, 
Like, I, it would be don't nice get me to wrong. Get some stuff to like try something different. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, day, yeah, I, I get the desire. Like, I'm totally there with you. If if they could have done it, I would have loved it. But I, I think like we're kind of at the point that we we got to focus on what we are getting <laughs> and not worry as much about the stuff. Yeah, that it's true. it's we're we're past this, dude. Like, we're so far past this. Oh, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. I'm just saying because obviously the game is sold well. It still gets a high player base through. What uh, it's twenty thousand a day more or less on Steam? Oh, yep. It's still it's gone down a little bit. I can check right now. It's it has gone down because people are sort of switching off a little bit. Yeah. Um, currently has twenty one thousand five hundred people playing it. So not too bad. bad. I don't know, man. It's just it. I expected a little bit more, but then again, we haven't seen the CG we work proper. We saw hey, cinematics. Troy has six hundred people playing it. <laughs> why you gotta? Why you gotta do Troy like that? <laughs> Troy did Troy just, like just, that? Just, my fault. just drag him into this. Yeah. I, I like. He's Troy. already dead. Just leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. I like Troy. I honestly like Troy. I think Epic killed Troy, though. The decision yeah. for Epic is what killed Troy, because I think. Oh. Like that decision was like the best financial decision that that they could have it was made. Great. That it was, was great for Warhammer Three. It was golden, <laughs> and it was it was great for Total War in general. It was shit for Troy. Troy was it's like they Troy. killed that game, but they it was like great for Total War because it it's just it's just a really really good decision. Tro Troy died it wasn't for good our for, sins. for Troy. Yeah, Troy yeah. died for our sins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about Three Kingdoms? I don't. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what's going on over there. We'll hear about it at some point. Wait, get wet for Three Kingdoms too. <laughs> three Kingdoms, the the three the the kingdoming. <laughs> yeah. All right. I and can't wait for Three Kingdoms three. Uh, the last thing to kind of just briefly touch on with uh Cathay is of course uh their tech tree, which we already really covered in Harmony, and of course the Great Bastion. Um, so we've had it confirmed that the Great Bastion is basically a giant impenetrable wall that has three. Uh, fortresses built into it, and those three are the only ways that it can be crossed. I thought it's only three. I thought there'd be at least five. Okay. Yeah, well, they make mention that there's more, but apparently only three of them are playable. Um, I don't know if that's because, like, maybe the rest of them are off the map or something, um, or what the DLC. deal's gonna be. <laughs> DLC. <laughs> yeah. What What do you want? More Great Wall? We got that. <laughs> um, yeah, Great but... Wall DLC. <laughs> now you get double Great Wall. Yeah, we got what the turtle gate, the snake gate, and the something gate. Dragon gate. Dragon gate. Um, uh, basically, it 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 very it looks very similar to the Tor Yivris map, um, with some yep. uh new additions with the the new with the mechanics from the survival battle system, um, but uh, it, it it like it does have a pretty uh fun little building tree, um, does have a it it of the of the like siege specific things out there compared so like the high elk gates and the empire forts um it definitely has the most interesting system in that you actually can build stuff and you can make decisions <laughs> um and it seems that the Cathay campaign is going to revolve very heavily around uh, at least the Miao Ying campaign is going to revolve very heavily around defending these and trying to get them to max level because you get uh some rather significant campaign buffs if you're at max level uh, most notably uh being able to activate the Wuxing compass quicker um, um, uh, I mean, it looks interesting. It's not, it's not like the most amazing thing in the universe, but I am glad to see that, uh, forts, um, 
are getting more dynamic building trees and i i hope this means we get more dynamic building trees on the some of the other forts in the future like the high elf gates and the empire forts uh but for what it is uh, uh i'm i'm honestly pretty pleased with it yeah i mean we have to see how it actually functions in the game but it's a it's a better foundation than what we've currently have for forts i mean i wasn't expecting anything more than just one build build slot that you just upgrade do you remember how it, uh, the High Elf Gates actually used to have six build slots and you used to be able to build military buildings there and then they took it away? Yep. Yeah, they made it where it's was, just yeah. just the garrison building. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Uh, and hopefully that's something they go back and change. Because, uh, I, I mean, it doesn't even have, like... Like, unique buildings would be cool uh, to just, like, spice up its defensive capabilities, but just being able to do something besides build the basic building is always very nice. But, uh, yeah, that pretty much wraps up Cathay. Um, so, <clears throat> I feel like I already know the answer to this, but I'll ask anyway. Uh, so, of the factions that have been revealed so far, which which are y'all kind of leaning the most heavily towards? Corn. Corn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Uh, I think... I think Cinch? Yeah. What? Legend Pickings? Like... I never would have thought. Yeah, Legend Pickings? Nah. I never would have thought. <laughs> Um, Nathan, who who are you kind of looking for towards? Like, who's winning your pageantry contest right now? Uh, From what we've seen so far. So, Slanesh is not available yet. Zinch, probably. The thing is, look, um, Cafe's cool and all, but just doesn't speak to me. Uh, Kislev has been so radically changed that this is not the Kislev that I was interested in. And at least Zinch is kept has kept to everything. Um, I like the look of Zinch. I like the look of what we've seen so far. I'm curious about those cultists. If they're going to be like a unit or a uh, or a hero. Uh, we've had uh, confirmed they're heroes uh, in the corn heroes. roster. Yeah, because the the corn roster, the only mortal character corn has is the cultist of corn. Right. So then, yeah, I mean they're cool. I like the look of them. I like the little jelly babies. You know, the pink horrors and the blue horrors. The, I'll, I'll, the uh, curious to see what they're going to do about when they die. Whether it'll like, I, do you know what I reckon it'll do? I reckon if a pink horror dies, it'll be like if the hell pit abomination dies, it spawns two other units, but they're temporary. They're like summoned units. Yeah, that, that, I hopefully they do that. I think that would be the smart way to do it. Um, uh, and the barrier well, system looks fun. The fact that the zinc units have like a secondary health bar is kind of cool. Well, that that's just their natural ward, isn't it? So. Well, like, they, they have, like, a second health bar. Um, yeah. You can, you can see one of the footages that... We really they... don't know exactly how that functions right now. I mean... Yeah. That, there's there's loads of different ways that that could work. Yeah. The, I mean... the, the only mention we have of it is that it, it, it has some kind of meter, and it is it is a health bar because there are ways you can make it bigger. Um, but we don't know if it, like, blocks everything, or if there's certain things that get through it, or what it's going to be on that. Oh. But uh, yeah, okay. And uh, personally, I, I, I'm leaning towards, I think, Cathay for my first playthrough. Um, I'm really, really enjoying the looks of their mechanics so far. Um, but uh, I'm really, really hoping the Ivory Road turns out to be fun, because that looks like it could be an absolute blast. But um, any uh, anything else uh, that y'all wanted to discuss before we wrap up for today? Honestly, with everything that's looking here... Uh... 
it's looking good in terms of main factions. Uh, I'm curious to see what will happen with Sinesh and Nurgle, and hopefully Ogres, you know, if they ever get confirmed. Um, if they'll be as detailed with loads of different yes. things. Soon, soon there won't be an early adopter bonus, there'll be the late adopter bonus. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, it would be curious to see, because I'm starting to think of, as to how Ogres can... Uh, be so intricate. I mean, you you know as well as I do in terms of army book. They, they, they have layers. Pretty... Well, <laughs> uh, in, big, the most way, <laughs> in the most honest way, on the tabletop, it was it was the most dumbed down faction. It was literally just get a ball of flesh, throw it at the enemy. Fuck it. You don't need to think. No tactics needed. And then I'm trying to think as to how that could work for mechanics. I mean, we already know that they don't have walls. There was there was confirmation in yeah. mm -hmm. in one of the places. I think it was actually it, the Great Bastion. Yeah, it, it's on the Great Bastion. They make mention that Norska and ogres do not build walls. Yeah, so it's like, well, some information would be nice. Obviously, we're going to get this eventually. You know, by that point, I've probably died of yeah. old age. But yeah. uh, I mean, there there is a fairly popular prevailing theory that Grom, will, uh, some of his mechanics may be. Uh, have been a test drive for the ogres as far as like collecting ingredients and cooking stuff for the great maw and yada yada. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, so that's going to be it for us today. Uh, real quick, uh, as we're doing the outro. Uh, Legend, thank you very, very much for coming by. We really appreciate you spending some time with us today and hanging out and chatting about. No Thanks for tolerating my smart ass. <laughs> uh, we were delighted to have that smart ass in this room. It was It was glorious. Um, okay, cool. uh, any, uh, uh, where, uh, any projects coming up or anything uh, you want the people to know about as far as where they can find you and stuff? No. no you're not going to plug at all. <laughs> no plug. <laughs> nah, it's all good. I'm, I'm just taking it easy. I'll it's be back soon, TM. There you go. Soon, oh. TM. Soon, TM. That's when I'm coming back. Uh, Nathan, got any stuff coming up and, uh, where can people find you and all that jazz? Uh, usual shit. YouTube and... Watch me bitch on Twitter. T grudges. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm Loremaster of Sotech, of course, or Ryan, however you want to go by it. Um, you can find me uh, live most days at www.twitch.tv slash Loremaster of Sotech. Also got a YouTube channel and on Twitter as well. Uh, we appreciate you all joining us. Me and Nathan will be back uh, this upcoming Sunday for another episode of Lorebeards. And if I don't, maybe we'll have a special guest. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But uh, thank you all so much for watching. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hop out of the call so I can uh, take care of some stuff with chat. And uh, talk to you all later. Thanks for being here, guys. Have a good one.